Action Church, how we doing? Doing well, week two, 12 baskets, come on. 1045 service, actually 1145, we should be awake, excited. Got a whole extra hour this morning. Come on, my clocks will not be right for six months at my house. Anybody else like that? Just not into the details. Like, it'll be right next March. Like, it's not a big deal. It's computers and apps, and I don't really know how to change all of that, so I'm just going to leave it. Like, I love that my phone and my car change uh, itself, and so I'm pretty much good from there. Uh, I can do everything I can for my phone. My phone proved every 6th, 7th, and 8th grade teacher to be a liar. You're going to need this later. What are you going to do without your calculator? Uh, I'm never without my calculator. Thank you so much. So that C in geometry doesn't seem quite a big a deal anymore. <laughs> Kids, don't listen to your pastor. Listen to your parents. Seventh, eighth, ninth grade, very, very important. Your teacher is always right. Recap from last week. Uh, if you missed last week, we're, we're starting a three-week series, 12 Baskets. We're studying the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we talked about last week, it was just 5,000 men. It would have been more like 12 to 15,000 uh, men, women, and children. And we talked about the season that Jesus was in last week. He was in a season uh, uh, of kind of isolation, a day of isolation. Remember, he went to a remote place to be alone because he had just lost one of his best friends in the world, his first cousin, John the Baptist. And so he was going through a season of pain. And what, what he showed us last week is that our seasons of, of lack, our seasons of loss, our seasons of pain should not keep us from the purpose or the mission that God has for us. In fact, we wrote down together last week that, that our season of seclusion should not cause us to surrender the purpose that God has for our life. And maybe you're worshiping online today and, and you don't feel safe or you're immune compromised. You're, you're secluded from the world, but, but that should not stop you from living on purpose. There is something you can do. There is something that you can give. There is somebody that you can serve in the midst of your isolation, in the midst of your pain. We also studied last week that, that the order in which this story took place was important and that there was a breaking before there was a multiplication. And we wrote down that there is a blessing in the breaking, that sometimes God has to break us, to shape us, to mold us. We used the story or the analogy of the Ikea desk and walked through our experiences at Ikea together. And when I put together a desk the wrong way, the drawers didn't work. It was functional, but it wasn't its best. And too many of us have settled for good. And we decided that good is no longer good enough, that we need to allow God to break some things in our trust and our, in our thinking. The story that we're studying today uh, is in all four Gospels, and we're going to be, uh, the majority of our time today, in John's Gospel and reading his account of the story of feeding the 5,000. I need you to, to everybody to pay attention real quick. Come on, Winter Park, Sanford, South Orlando, joining us at home. I need to, to get something out of the way early. Today is one of those days we're using this story, uh, and we are going to teach on the topic of giving. Well, nobody left here yet. I see a few people gathering their things. Like, we don't even, we don't even pass buckets right now because of COVID, so there's not going to be any pressure at the end. You're going to be okay. Take a deep breath. You're going to be fine. I, I like to think about a good giving talk. First off, Jesus talked about generosity and loving others and giving and serving about as much as anything. So, so he talked about it a lot. We only talk about it a couple times a year because I just don't think you could take much more of it. It's, and I like to think giving talks are like a good, or giving sermons are like a, a good trip to the dentist. You know, like, I really feel like it feels like going to the dentist. It happens a couple times a year. You're a little nervous when it starts. You're, a little, you're in the waiting room, like, I don't really know where this is going to go. This may hurt a little bit. I may gag a little bit. Come on, they put that thing in the side of your mouth. They spray the water. Oh, like, when do I get to spit, Doc? Like, just, 
Every time, oh man, I feel like I'm seven years old. Like I, I literally feel like I'm drowning in the ocean at certain points. I'm like, if he does not allow me to close my mouth or spit in the next 30 seconds, I hope my will is active and ready and I hope I have everything that I'm coming home, Lord. Like I am coming home. And some of you may feel that way today as we talk about generosity. That's not really the goal. But we're going to leave better. Like every you leave the dentist, you, you can feel gaps in your teeth that you haven't felt in six months because you don't brush or floss enough. Here's the question that I can't ever get over. The lady always asks me, when's the last time you flossed? I say, I don't remember, but you were here. <laughs> you were definitely here. <laughs> it's a good trip to the dentist. Let's go to John's Gospel, chapter 6 today. Chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy food to feed all of these people? I love verse 6. He was just testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. That is a verse for all husbands in here. She is just testing you. She already knows what she's going to do. She's just asking to see if you're stupid enough to answer. That's funny. <laughs> Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip's thinking like a lot of us think. We'll get to that in just a moment. He's like, wait, I can't, I can't do this. I, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like we, we'd have to work for months to buy food for all of these people. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And the fish, the, the, the miracle of, of feeding the, the 5,000. We, we saw last week in Matthew's gospel that, that the, the five loaves and the two fish, they were given so that the, the little boy had to give of himself. He had to give of what he had. And then it was blessed, like, like Jesus prayed to heaven. He, he blessed what was given. Then it was broken. Then it was multiplied or distributed. So it was given. It was blessed. It was broken, and then it was multiplied. The first thing I want you to write down as we study John's account today is that the order is important. The order in which we, we give, the order in which we do things, the order is important. This is not just a, a biblical stewardship issue, a generosity issue. Order is important across the board. The order in which you do things is important. Come on, come on, you got dressed today. The way and the order in which you dressed yourself is important. It would be awkward if you did it in the wrong order. Somebody's like getting in here at Winter Park, you get it. Like if, the, if what was underneath was not underneath and it was on the outside, the order is important. In fact, sir, you're not even dressed right now worshiping online, and that's gross even if you're by yourself. So put on some pants before the Lord and worship with us. The order is important, come on. TV episodes, you don't want to watch the finale first. You can't start in season three. You got to start at the beginning. The order in which we do things 
is important. You ever lost a friendship over a TV series? I have. When they watch an episode out of order. We're not there yet. They watch the finale without you. Come on, Bachelor, Bachelorette. They, they finish. They know who they pick. This is my final rose. They, they know where the final rose goes before you do. And the friendship is over. We've made it decades together, but you did things out of order, and I can no longer respect you as a person or as a human. The order is important. Speaking of order, it's important. Star Wars. Does anybody know what the actual order is? Like, what, what order does it go in? It's like the middle first, and then we went back to the beginning, and then we went to the end. You're like, I love episode one. Well, not like episode one, like Phantom Menace, like the original episode one, like episode four, A New Hope, like it's a big deal. Like, I don't ever know what order they're in. The Marvel movies, I don't know. We're like back and forth in time, and we're, you know, we're in game and Infinity War. And first of all, Infinity War is very much a myth or a lie because the war ended. Infinity. <laughs> order is important. Here, 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 I'll get to this. I'll get to my point. I, I, love, uh, I love a good meal. Anybody love to eat in here? Come on, somebody, just in Jesus' name. Just, I, remember, I remember being like 23, 24 years old, and my first time to a really great steakhouse. And so uh, it was the Capitol Grill in Tampa, and one of our, uh, our church members there, the church we were serving at, took us to Capitol Grill. And I'd never been to Capitol Grill before, and I'd never seen a steak like that. I'd never seen display like this before. And, and the, uh, the good news was I wasn't paying for any of it because the, the bill was like my mortgage at the time. And so um, can't beat a free steak. Uh, the best steak is a free steak. I mean, uh, now we have standards, but you know, I'd like to not chew it next week. But if it's free, I can kind of get by anything. And so we're Capital Grill. It's a phenomenal experience. We're calamari. We're we're shrimp cocktail. We're we're Caesar. Maybe a little raw bar. We're, we have it all. We've we've had everything. Filet, like perfectly cooked, like all the sides, like all of them. It's like well, no, this, these people did it right. It's not like what do you want? It's like let's just order all the sides and we'll all taste them together. You're gonna get the point in just a second. We go with a guy. He's paying for everything. And we, I'm telling you, we eat for three hours. And in his meal, he orders a plain baked potato, which I thought was weird just because who eats a plain baked potato at Capitol Grill? They had, like, they really could have put everything on there and you got it plain, like plain baked potato. We get through the whole meal, eating two, three hours together, and he finishes his steak, all the sides, the spinach, the, the, the lobster mac and cheese. And we're all finishing up. We're all taking our, our last bites, our best bites. How many of you saved the best bite for last? Like you're planning it like 15 minutes in advance. You're like, I'm going to save this piece of steak and this little side. I'm going to put it all together. It's going to be. You ever get mad when somebody takes your last bite? Oh, my gosh. Like, a, like one of your kids takes like the last chicken nugget or last bite. You're like, that was, I, was, I was mentally preparing for that to be my last bite. Here's what happened. He saved his baked potato, plain baked potato, and ate it last. And I thought, I can no longer respect you as a man, <laughs> as a Christian, or a leader. The order in which you did this whole evening was impossible to understand. And the order is important. There's no way you just ate a lukewarm baked potato at the end after all that we ate together. You're leaving here with a plain potato taste in your mouth. You messed it all up. You ate everything there. You did everything. You just did it out of order. Order is important. And I need you to write this down if you're taking notes. It's not just if you give, it's when you give. Wow. I'm taking for granted that as a Christian, you are giving. Because if not, we miss something along the way in our journey of following Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that the order in which you give is important. It's not just if you give, it's when you 
give? Like, do you trust God with the first? This is not a, a law matter. This is not an old covenant law, like Levitical law deal. Like Abraham, before the law was given, he returned his first fruits to God. And the scripture tells in Genesis that God was able to bless the rest because he gave the first. Notice in this story, the boy did not ask Jesus to bless it and break it before he gave it. Like he didn't say, hey Jesus, make sure you can feed 20,000 people or so and then, then I, so I'm gonna keep it until you bless it and multiply it and then I'll give it. It's quiet here at Winter Park because we're catching on that, that it's not out of the abundance that we give, it's out of the first that we give to saying, God, I trust you. And if you're not faithful with small amounts, there's a good chance you won't be faithful with any amounts. I gotta wait till I grow. I gotta wait till I get more wealthy. I gotta wait till I get a promotion or a raise or a second job. I gotta wait for a different season. No, we cannot wait for seasons of plenty to be generous. The little boy said, I give you what I have. The order is important. It was given, it was blessed, it was broken, and it was multiplied. The order is important. Our giving Specifically, our decision to give should not be circumstantial. The order is important. Here's a second one. Write this down if you're taking notes. Obedience is important. Obedience is important. Let's look at verse 10 in John's gospel. Verse 10, it says, uh, Jesus uh, talking. He says, tell everyone to sit down. Like, Jesus is talking to adults here. He's like, just tell them all to sit down for a second. I love the, the boldness of Jesus. I, I love that Jesus responded so many times with a question to a question, just flipped it back on people. I love the bold statements that he makes. He, he wasn't like, hey, if you get a chance, like, you know, in, in a little bit, if you guys could just, just be seated. He's like, no, sit down. I'm about, like, I'm about to do something. Jesus, all throughout scripture, he, he commands us, he commands us to give, to give to the poor and to return to God what is God's and to, to, to freely, as we have received, to freely Give and he led by example. His sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and, and all that he did for us, it, it demands a response from us. It, it demands that we respond with generosity. It says he tells everyone to sit down. But, but I picture this, and maybe you do as well, that, that people may not have responded well at first to this, right? Like, hey, he's like, hey, sit down. They're like, why? Come on, how many of you got kids in here? Come on, kids at Winter Park, Sanford, and South Orlando. How many of your kids, uh, uh, they, they obey you, but they don't necessarily like obey you the, the right way? Come on. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're obedient, but like they're, they're like to telling them to sit. They're like, I'm gonna sit, but their eyes are saying, I'm standing, sir. God, when we talk about giving, God Jesus is saying sit. He's not, he doesn't want you to sit outwardly yet still stand inwardly. Like Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says that God desires a cheerful giver, that he wants somebody that's gonna give out, out, of, out of an overflow. They're gonna give out of a, out of a relationship. And, and it's, not, it's not this God is taking something from you. In fact, you're not fully living out the gospel of Jesus if you're not living generously. God doesn't want to take it. I don't know if you know this. God doesn't need it. Like, he's good. And I, I, found, I found that I've never regretted a season of generosity. I don't know about you. 
I just never met a miserable, generous person. Like, I, oh, I hate it when I gave all those people Christmas gifts. They're just watching the sheer joy of those children open those gifts. You know, I went to the Christmas store last year at Action Church, and we provided 1,200 kids with a full Christmas, and I just, I thought, what a waste <laughs> of resources. Look at these ungrateful children. No! Oh, I hated serving at that outreach or going on that mission trip. We, you, you, will never, you will never regret a season of sacrifice when you're sacrificing the right things for the right reasons and giving to people. Like, you just won't. Like, you can't. It's not like he needs it. This miracle, somebody's got to catch this today. Jesus feeding the 15,000, if you will. He was going to do it anyway. You think that Jesus was talking to Philip and Andrew and all the disciples thinking, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't know if God's big enough to feed these 20,000 people. He wasn't. He wasn't worried. He was testing them to see if they wanted to be in on it. Wow. He's like, I'm going to do this anyway. You guys want to join in? Man. You say, well, how do you, what, if they, what if the boy wouldn't have given the five loaves and the two fish? I don't know. You ever heard about the people of Israel exiting Egypt where God provided manna from heaven for over a million people? It just fell from the sky. Like, like God is not, he's not on a supply issue. He's not like, oh my gosh, if, if action doesn't really get this giving thing, I don't know what I'm gonna do in central Florida. He's asking, do you want to be in on it? And the difference, you gotta catch this, the difference between an old covenant God and a new covenant God, the old covenant God said, I'm gonna provide because I need you to know how powerful I am. I'm showing you who I am. But a new covenant God, based off what Jesus did on the cross, is showing you that you and I can be a part of it. There's a relationship. He's like, I wanna do the same miracle. I'd like to feed thousands and millions of people. I'm just asking you, hey, I know you don't deserve it and you can't earn it, but do you want to be in on the miracle? And our obedience is not out of an obligation. Our obedience is out of a relationship saying, God, I would love to be able to do what you're calling me to do. Here's access to everything. I would have clapped there. I would have. Just would have. Personally, if I was seventh row, I would have clapped. Pity claps are not the same as genuine claps, just so you know. If you're new to Action Church, they're not the same. And when I'm out of breath, it usually means I'm begging for a clap. And so, or a glass of water could be either or. Let's finish this thought. Proverbs 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Obedience is important. It expands our territory, expands God's influence in our life and in those around us. Here's the third thing we find in this story. Organization is important. Order is important. Obedience is important. Organization is important. Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down. If you go to Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 9, verse 14, you see this specifically because remember last week we talked about Luke being the most detailed of the gospel accounts. He says that Jesus had the disciples make everybody sit down in groups of 50. So he, he divided the 15,000 or so in groups of 50. He needed an organization. He needed a system to steward the miracle that he was about to do. So it takes more than just order and faith and obedience. Like we've got to prepare for the increase. We've got to prepare for the harvest. Like God's asking us, are we gonna be organized enough to steward the miracle? 
Like we have faith knowing that he can do it, but we've got to have a plan and work like he's actually gonna do it so when he does it, we're ready to steward all that God wants to do. Like organization is very, very important. We have, let me give it to you exactly. We have a plan in Action Church in this expansion season and, and, and I don't wanna talk too much about what we're doing in expansion. We've got a video coming out to our expansion team soon and, and then on a Sunday morning coming up in a few weeks for everybody for you to hear all that we did uh, last year through our expansion offering and all that we're planning on doing this year through our expansion offering. We have a plan. And if you want to know what that is in detail, you can go to Action Steps. In fact, if you tithe and give faithfully here, uh, you can have access to anything at any time by calling our business office. But I, but I want to let you know, we have a plan. Like, we're not just big faith people. We're not just high energy people. Like, like we have a plan to, to reach and connect. We have a plan for, for the faithful stewardship of, of God's resources. And the first thing we do at Action Church is we give the first 10% away. Like when you give at Action Church online and, and worship in our auditoriums every single week, like we make a transfer to a missions account to make sure that the church is actually living according to the biblical standard that we preach, that we tithe the first 10% outside of the organization. And I firmly believe that every believer and every Christian church and every Christian organization should be people that tithe. And the tithe is 10%, that we give God what is his before we do everything else. Well, pastor, I'm generous already. If you're not tithing, you're not generous. You know why? Because that ain't your money. It'd be like stealing my wallet and giving all the money away and saying, oh, God, generous ram. That ain't yours. Like that first ten is God's. You steal my wallet, it's a misdemeanor. Got some police officers at all of our locations. Put some cuffs on you. Too many Christians are, are stealing from God and calling it generosity. Oh. May not say that at 1230. Save that for felt like we were we were close here. But it's true. It's true. You can't give away something that's not yours. And yet we're like, I'm living generously. You're not living generously if you're not living in obedience to God's standard and God's word. We give 10% away. Here's the second thing, and, the, and this is our really our plan. I, I encourage all of our, of our locations and everybody joining us online, every household, every family, to have a plan for your personal finances. Like we have 70%, we'll never exceed 70% of obligations, which is buildings and ministry and, and, and staff. And we have a budget. Like I encourage you, like live on purpose. Like if, you're not, if you don't know how to do that, we have Financial Peace University at every location this spring. Like have a plan so that God can bless you. Like he can't bless you if you're not gonna steward it well. And so, so make sure you have a plan and we invest 20% into the ministries inside of our own church. Like we have a plan, we have a system, we have an organization. I think it's important that we get the order right, that we get the obedience right, but that we have the system and the structure in place for God to actually bless it. And I just believe this expansion season, to be honest, is, is the most important one for our church because we're not in a season of plenty as a nation and as a church due to divisiveness and election season and economy and COVID. So I think we get to show God what we are actually made of. 
That it's not just, hey, you blessed me, so I'm going to give you a little bit back. No, I actually trust you. And I'm just calling our church to set a record for expansion. We gave $2 million last year. And due to the current circumstances, I think it would be irresponsible to set a goal to break a, a monetary amount record. The record that I want to break is of buy-in and of obedience. And I want to see the most unique gifts families, individuals say, no, I'm trusting God with everything. I'm giving him access. Because here's the fourth point. Here's what I'm trying to get to. That ownership is important. Like all of us can be in on it. Giving is not just for wealthy people. Giving is for saved people. Like we miss something on the cross and the resurrection in Jesus' life if we think that we can live a faithful Christian life without being generous. They are opposites. Deny myself. Pick up my cross, my purpose, and follow you. Jesus spent his whole life loving, serving, and giving to anyone in need so that they may meet the Father in heaven. You and I have a part to play. Pastor, I don't fit in. There's no way. I'm not Jesus. I know that. (laughs) I'm not gifted. I'm not famous. I'm not wealthy. I'm not resourced. Go back to verse 8 in the story. Actually, let's let's start in verse 6. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. I think he's testing us today because he already knows what he's going to do in Central Florida. He already knows what he's going to do through Action Church. He already knows what he's going to do with our ability to reach and connect. He's just asking you and I, what, what part do you want to play? Do you want to be in on it? Do you want to be a man of miracle or a new covenant miracle? Because he can do it without you. <laughs> Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough to feed them. He had, a, he had a poverty mentality. He had a lack mentality. He did not know how big his God was. Then verse 8, let's camp out here. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Andrew said, there's a little boy here that that has something. How many of you have told a lot of Bible stories about my man Andrew? It's more like and who, you know what I mean? Like I don't have any idea who Andrew is. There's some translations that actually translate him as Peter's brother. Like, don't even give my man a name. Like, just Peter's brother came up and had an idea. You know what I mean? Like, it's just Andrew is nobody from nowhere. Like, he's not a famous biblical figure. But the miracle in John chapter 6 does not happen without Andrew. He says, hey, I know somebody. I know a kid. And the kid is not named, the kid is not famous, the kid did not have a bread company, he was not a fisherman, he did not have a fleet of ships, he, he was just a little boy with a sack lunch. In fact, if you study it, barley loaves are, are smaller than a small dinner roll. It's not like he had a big two-foot-long French baguette, like he had a couple of bite-sized rolls. He had a two-piece, two-piece fish from Long John Silver's and some hush puppies, like he was not... Like, he had a little box. Like, it was like a $4.99 box that he picked up on the way out there. Because you got to get this. I can't play a part. It's not the size of the sample. It's the size of the sacrifice. And God is not asking you for how much. He owns everything. 
He's asking you for the level of sacrifice and trust. So my question to you today is, what do you have? What do you have? What did you bring? What did God give you? Passions, education, experience, resource, time. What do you have? And if you don't know, let us help. That's our job. Book of Ephesians says that the pastors, the leaders are not to do the ministry, to equip the saints. Like if you don't know what it is, go to Action Step 1 today at all of our locations. And I promise you the food will be better than Long John Silver's two-piece fish. Like it'll be better and you'll get to figure that out. What do you have? And once you find out what you have, here's the next question. Will you consume it or will you allow God to multiply it? He could have eaten it. Think about this. They're in a season of lack. They're in a day of lack. Everybody's there. They don't have any food. Everybody starts to get a little bit selfish. Everybody starts to look around and think, what are we going to do now? What would be the typical human response for this little boy? Oh, well, that was a good sermon. Sees Andrew coming like, I'm, I'm going to go. I, I brought my own lunch. Like I saved for a rainy day. I'm good. So I'm going to step back. I'm going to board up. I'm going to allow everybody else to take care of themselves. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to consume what I earned, what I brought. Or I'm going to give it and allow God to multiply it. It's a tough question to ask, but when everybody at Winter Park, say for South Orlando, worshiping online, I want to, I have a pastoral moment with you. They ran out of food. They didn't have anything to eat. They got a little selfish, started looking around. What if the boy would have eaten the miracle? What if he would have stopped thinking about others? And the season of, of our nation and our world has caused us to look inwardly and pursue seclusion and safety and selfishness. All of us, me included. I just want to ask you a question. If you call Action Church home, why has this season caused you to shrink back from God's purposes? Like just bluntly, why have you stopped serving and leading? Why'd you stop giving to the church and to others? Did God change? Did the mission change? Did hell cease to become a reality? Have we allowed our temporary, momentary troubles to keep us from living out the purpose God has for us? God's going to continue to do it. I just think now more than ever, he's asking us, do we want to be in on it? What part will you play? So let me clarify quickly. Nobody is Jesus in this story. I love to place myself in the story, but too often times believers, we place ourselves as Jesus. Like that we're in control. This is my miracle. This is my money. This is my time. This is my opinion. You ain't Jesus. But you can place yourself in there as Andrew. The little boy is prepared. Philip, 
disciple, an organizer of the groups of 50. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we just going to learn? Are we just going to attend? Are we just going to go through this season? Or are we actually going to apply what, what God is teaching us? You know, wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. So what are we going to do with this? Biblical wisdom today. Hopefully it's going to cause us to change some things. I love the responsibility that Jesus gives us. I don't know why he does it. But back in Matthew's gospel, they come up to him. Remember last week? He said, you feed them. Like he could have done it and he still can, but he says, you feed them. Like you go do it. And I just need you to hear today that us feeding them is out of a direct correlation of our love relationship with Jesus. Like we cannot say we love Jesus and not feed them. Let me illustrate, Luke 21, Luke 21. Jesus coming back from the dead. Peter, sees Peter. Peter is, is on the boat, right? Sees Jesus by the campfire, jumps out of the boat, swims up to him, they have this conversation. Over and over again, Jesus asks, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course, Lord, I love you. Knowing, they both know that Peter had just denied him. He had not seen Jesus since then, had a personal conversation with him. And they, he knows that he denied him three times, once even to a little girl. Like his right-hand guy, Peter, like his boy, his, his dude. He, he saw all of these miracles, all of these healings. He said, no, I don't know Jesus. He denied him. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, of course, Lord, I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, of course I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Church, our responsibility. The obvious next step to declaring our love for Jesus is to show it to a lost and dying world by taking care of people, by playing our part in the miracle. Do you love me? Then give. We've said this a few years ago. You can give to something without loving it, but you can never love something without giving to it. And so we cannot say, of course, Lord, I love you, but I don't want to serve. I don't want to give. I don't want to be a part of the miracle. No, I love you, and here's access to everything. This message, this series is about more than money challenge for us to trust more. It's a challenge for us to love more. It's a challenge for us to give more in all of the areas of our life so that we can be in on the miracles that God is doing in our city, our locations, our state, our country, and the world. I'm excited for next week to wrap up we talk about why and what God's going to do for, for us as we're a part of this miracle. Let's bow our heads at all of our locations. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would challenge, you would encourage, you would convict, you would allow this, this word to grow in us today. God, we are. We're going to love you more. We're going to trust you more. We're going to give you more access to our lives. We're so thankful that you chose to use us. Action Church, nobody looking around at all of our locations. I want to give you an opportunity right now. 
to be in on, that the greatest miracle ever. It's not Jesus feeding 15, 20,000 people. It's Jesus giving his life for you and for me. The perfect son of God, living a perfect life. It's important because you and I couldn't. Look, we've all sinned, the Bible declares, and fallen short of the glory of God. And so an unholy people could never be reconciled with a holy God. So Jesus entered the scene and he bridged the gap. His perfect life allowed him to die in your place, in my place, as the perfect substitute. So everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done was paid for because Jesus paid for it. His sacrifice cleansed for eternity the stain of our sin if we will accept him as our Lord and Savior. The gospel doesn't stop on the cross. That's where we get access to grace and mercy, salvation, forgiveness. But it goes on because the grave is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus, raised to a new life, gives us power over sin in the grave, which means you don't have to struggle alone anymore. And what you're struggling with is defeated if you will give Jesus access to lead you through it. By accepting Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, which empowers us to, to live differently. And Jesus did all of the, the heavy lifting. He did most of the work. But there is a requirement for you and for me, and that requirement is surrender. That you and I would say, Jesus, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord, that I'm allowing you to lead. You're in control. That's you today, Winter Park, Sanford, South Orlando, worshiping online. You say, Pastor Justin, I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life for the very first time. Others of you, it's a recommitment today. You've held back. Maybe it's with your time. Maybe it's with the gifts God has given you. Maybe it is with resource or finances, but you have not allowed Jesus to be Lord of everything in your life. I need to remind you that Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And so there is no half in, half out. Today's the day of recommitment for you. We say, God, I'm giving you access to everything. I'm recommitting my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If that's you, for the first time, by recommitting your life for the first time in a long time, you say, Pastor Justin, count me in. When you pray today, I want to be in on it. Would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I need Jesus today. I am receiving the greatest miracle that has ever been given. I'm receiving Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Hands up here. Winter Park, proud of you. Yep. Come on, anybody in Sanford, South Orlando, come on, worshiping in your home right now. Proud of you. Decision you're making. You can put your hands down. Would you praise in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place that I complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us today. I pray that we lead differently. God, challenge us, shape us. Remove anything that's not of you and allow us to put the important things in place so we can be a part of all that you're doing. We love you. We praise you in this place. Everybody said amen. Action Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, really celebrate them.